All right, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. If you are blessed this morning, say an amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly and declare the glory of the Lord. Psalm number two is what we are going to use today. Psalm number two. Again, please, um, let's just try and use the same version. For those who don't know, we tend to use the New American Standard Bible. Not because it's more spiritual than others, just because that's my regular one. And since I'm the one that's standing in front, <laughs> follow the leader, you know. <laughs> All right, Psalm number two. That's where we are going to start from this morning. And if you are there, say amen. Amen. Okay, one, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an uproar? The people's devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that it not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath must soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Thus we have declared the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, we declare this morning he is the King of Kings. Amen. He is the Lord of Lords. Amen. We say he's a governor amongst the nations. Amen. He's a ruler over this nation. Amen. He's a ruler over the church. Amen. He's a ruler over our homes. Amen. He's a ruler over our bodies. Amen. He's a ruler over our individual lives. Amen. Everyone saying amen this morning, I declare that Jesus is Lord over your life. Amen. And his will will be done in your life. Amen. You're going out and you're coming in, his will will be done in your life. Amen. Your every waking moment will be used to serve him. Amen. As you sleep, he will do his will in your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, I say it clear. Even as you sleep, his will in your life will be done. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He will supply all your needs. Amen. Listen, let me, I feel like telling somebody this, this morning. The Lord will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will be well with you when you go out. Amen. It will be well with you when you come in. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Lord, let's take our declaration of understanding before we take our seats. One, two, let's go. Now I that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. I want to bless somebody before you sit down. 
bless at least two people, one on your left, your right, or behind you, wherever. Whichever word of blessing. And as soon as you are done with that, please take your seats. Let's start rolling. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Kingdom World Ministries. <laughs> and for those of you who are joining us online, you are welcome. All right, let's quickly get into the teaching today. We um, last time concluded the series we're on, on running the race that is set before us. And the one we're beginning today, let me see whether I have the title. I think I do, but let me just confirm whether I wrote something down. Anyway, you'll find out as we go on, all right? The Lord is good. All right, the, the first part of the title is A New Man and a New... I can't remember the other thing I put. The thing has cut it off of me. I wrote it during the night. You'll find out as we go on. The Lord is good. Yeah, maybe a new man and new creation. I don't know which one we use. But let's start today from the book of Matthew, chapter 23. The book of Matthew, chapter 23, is where we'll start today. Now, um... Let me see where I can, I don't want this to be too long, but it's good to also read. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed words. I'll start from verse 23, and we'll read um, to verse 33. So by 11 verses. Say, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tight mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law. And these are justice and mercy and faithfulness. Say, so, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. In verse 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. Please notice that. The Pharisees make the outside look good, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. He said, you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside may become clean also. That is, if you clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, automatically the outside will become clean. Unfortunately, many of us, even in churches, we do this. We are so focused on the outside rather than the inside. Verse 27. Say, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, who are on the, who which on the outside appear beautiful. But inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Now, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take our teaching from them this morning. Like I said, we are beginning to, I'm going to talk about you know, a new man, new world. Yes, let me use that expression. Now, I want to just start by explaining something. I remember I, I saw one movie some time ago. Sometime when I 
tell you a movie. I don't want to tell you the name so that you won't go and make it an assignment to go and look for it. So, but in it, the American president was in danger. Now, there are many movies in which the American president has been in danger, so don't even try. <laughs> so those who have seen it will know what I'm talking about. So, along the line, they managed to rescue the president. Now, the plane that the American president flies around is, an, is a military plane, right? What's the name of the plane? Air Force One. Air Force One. So they were calling the pilot, all right, of the, of the, the plane rescuing the president. So they wanted to know how is it going, how is the rescue operation and everything. So he replied and said, now, he called the name of his plane. He said, it's now Air Force One. Once he said that, they began to clap. No, they knew what it meant. Any plane the president is in is Air Force One. It is not that plane that's Air Force One. It's the presence of the president that makes it Air Force One. I hope you're getting that. If you see me, there's a time I saw another movie now, and that was the first time I saw that. I think it's real. The helicopter that the U.S. Marines used to carry the president is called Marine One. If they put him in this helicopter that flew over us just now, that helicopter is Marine One. It is not the device, it's not the aircraft. It is a man. It is a president that makes the aircraft have that name. So, you stand in the presence of a judge. Wherever he is, you are in court. Did you get what I said? So, the judge can put a chair at the back of this hall and sit on a case. And his judgment is valid. And they will say you were in court that day. It's not the building. It's the presence of the judge that's the court. Heaven is not a place. It's the presence of God. Are you getting my point? Everywhere God stays is heaven. If God comes here, it's heaven. So if you go there, you have gone to where? Heaven. Heaven. It's It's not a geographical location. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. So heaven can spread. You know what makes earth earth? You know why Mars is not earth? You know why Jupiter is not earth? Do you know why all of these are not earth? Because man is not there. The earth he has given. See, this is how God does it. He prepares a place he calls earth. And that is where he expects man to be found. You know, they've been looking everywhere that there's life outside this planet. They have not found. You know, please, can I take a small side trip? Anybody who's trying not to believe in God, he's just fooling himself. It's an effort. Believing in God is spontaneous. Even if you do not know him, you should ask questions. Because if what they told us was true about things just coming, I like my son's definition. Where is it? It's at the back. One day when the house, I said, Victor, uh, no, we just like, so what's the big bank? They were just revising things we learned over the previous days. He said, nothing, nowhere, no time, no reason. Boom. <laughs> at the explosion of nothing, at no time, at nowhere, and for no reason. And it became everything. If you believe that, honestly, let's just leave it there. Because I don't know how you can believe that. He said, there's no reason. The thing was just, there was nothing there. Just exploded. Ah. How does nothing explode? And it began to expand. And the explosion in the first few seconds was faster than the speed of light. 
so that he created bubbles in what they call the multiverse theory. Say, eh? For no reason. According to Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking said, universe would have created itself because of the existence of gravity. That once gravity exists, universe will form. So somebody said, so how did gravity reach there? This is what I'm going to explain. If they have searched and searched, trying just to prove that everything came spontaneously. Billions of dollars have been expended looking for life outside. You know what they have found? Nothing. Now, when I saw the way they are looking for it, I knew one day they will find it. This principle one day they will interpret something and say we found life. Because ah, scientists can be confident in themselves. I found out that what they actually do you're looking for life 200 million light years away. You know what they call light years? Light years is not time. It is distance. The distance that light travels in 200 million years is 200 million light years. So one light year is the distance that light travels in a year. Now for you to get it in perspective, from the moon to the earth is one second. From the sun to the earth is eight minutes. And the sun is a great distance from the earth. So think about what light travels in a year. Now think about 200 million of that. It's an incredible distance. And they want to find out whether there's life there. So you ask yourself, how is it done? The day I read how it is done, I said, interesting. Very interesting. That means one day you will find life. Not because it is there, but because you interpret something one day. It has to do with the spectrum of gases. So one day somebody will analyze it. No, this spectrum looks like there's emission of nitrogen compounds, which are only produced by living beings. I say, okay, no problem. 200 million light years away. You will soon find it. There's no problem. Now, where am I going to all of these things? The objective search has been impossible. That is, you, they've not found life anywhere. Do you know why? God didn't put it there. That's proof that the life on earth is not by accident. Somebody placed it there. If I put my car keys in my pocket... Look for it in the whole of the world. Use CIA, Mossad. Use all the intelligent networks in the world to look for the key elsewhere. You won't find it. Why? I, the owner of the keys, put the bunch in my pocket. If you like, spend $100 billion. You won't find it elsewhere. But if you ask me, I'll say, where is it? I'll just dip my hand in my pocket. God kept life on this earth. Keep on looking for it. You won't find it. What's my emphasis? Earth is the place that God created for man. He prepared the earth for man. Heaven is his throne. It's not like he went there, created heaven per se. It's like anywhere he is, that's heaven. I hope you're getting my point. Oh, there are so many things. See, one of the things the Lord helped me with, I enjoy reading some of these theories of physics and all of that. And I say, ha. Ah, it's just Bible. 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 In fact, if you're a physicist, don't believe in God. You must be wicked. Because everything you see is scripture. What I want to add is that one day Stephen Hawking, that funny guy, he said, <laughs> they were talking about, have you ever heard this argument before? That, you know, those days, they said that the, the people thought the earth was the center of the universe. The first of our solar system. They now found that it's not. That everything rotates around the sun. And then they thought that the earth was the center of the universe. So now it has been found. It's no longer true. They found all kinds of things. Stories. Then a few years ago, 
I was watching a program on National Geographic, and Stephen Hawking, no, I think it was Discovery, only one of the two. Stephen Hawking was narrating, and he was describing some things about the center of the universe. You know what he came to the conclusion concerning, concerning it? He said, where is the center of the universe? Anywhere you are observing it from. <laughs> he proved it. I, don't, I can't remember the proof. But this, is another, this guy is a physicist, one of the leading physicists of, of, the, of this earth until he died a few years ago. Oh, I said, so the people that started, they were yapping them initially. Did you see the way it went? Initially, people said that the earth is center. I said, no, it's religion that's telling you that. Science says it is not. Then after a long time, science says, where is the center of the universe? Anywhere you are observing it from. That is, God did that. That's a spiritual law. It is the way the observation is that the center is. And go and check it. That is the theory of quantum physics. That things only happen because you are there to observe them. That's why they ask in philosophy. If a tree falls in the bush and nobody's there to hear it, does it did it make a noise? Now, common sense is that, of course, now we made noise. No, if you read deeply, when you get advanced, you know that question is sensible. That the tree falls in the forest and there's nobody to hear it. Did it make a noise? How can you say that? It's a very valid question. <laughs> some people are beginning to lose some people. Let me come back. I hope I get to my point. Now, I'm going to emphasize something. Do you know, the person is the most important thing. The universe, that's why I, you've heard me say many times, when people say that, uh, is there God? I say that question to me is insulting. You're not insulting me. You're insulting God. You want to ask whether there is God. That you have a brain to ask should have told you there is God. That you have the consciousness to be, you know, curious about that question is proof there is God. I don't even like to say there, you know, there's a way it is. I feel like it's an insult. That you and I are talking, that you are hearing me this morning, is proof there is God. That there is something to talk about is what God is. I hope you are getting my point. That is, there is no existence outside him. See, let me say something about hell again. People have said things like, a good God will not send anybody to hell. Why? Because it's good. I said, that means you, you made your own God. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Because if you wanted to know what God was like, you should ask him. Not just decide that because he's good, he should be too good to send people to hell. Now, whether you're right or wrong is not the issue now. The issue is that that's your opinion. Because if you wanted to get his own opinion, you should have heard what he said. Because just now you heard Jesus talking about judgment. We just read it just now. Against these hypocrites. So how will you escape the sentence of hell? Do I like the concept of hell? No, who likes, why should I like it? But if Jesus said it's there, it is there. If God said I sent people there, then it must be a good thing. Because one, we know God is good. One, two, we know God is love. And if the same God sends people to hell, then it must be good and it must be loving. Or at least it does not remove from his character of love and goodness. One thing people don't remember, let me just add it to it quickly, is that not only is it good, and loving is also just. And when you are just, you must punish iniquity. And the only thing you want people, you, you owe people, is warning. The other day I was having an argument with one of our brothers. They said they demolished a market. It was good inside. I mean, you remember in Enugu? Yes. They said, how can they do that? I said, you know what I said? Did they want them? That's all I wanted to know. If they want them, you don't have my sympathy. 
If they demolish it with you inside, I won't cry for you. And I'm serious about it. I will not cry for you. Why? Because righteousness demands I warn you. Goodness demands I'm, I'm long-suffering. That is, I'll give you one warning, two, three. But the day I finally come, God is on my side. Many times human beings want to be gooder than God. Do you, do you, get, do you understand that expression? They just have this goodness, like somebody that do gooders, just want to make it look. And believe me, the same people are generally also. God eh, sends people to hell. He's sensible to the leak of fire. He torments them eternally. How do you know? He said so, not me. Jesus said it. The Bible says it. John said it in Revelation, that, the, the revelation that Jesus gave him. So please, let's not try to be, don't, let's not be gooder than God. I didn't say better. I use my correct English. Even though it's my invention, but it's correct. You cannot be gooder than God. I can't use, I, the word better does not apply there. If God says he does something, leave him, he does it. And one thing we know is that because he's good, because he's love, and because he's just, that thing's correct. His, his, his word is perfect, and all his ways are just. He's a God of faithfulness without injustice. Moses said, good and upright is he. Don't ever forget that. What am I saying? So see, this is our God is good. So anything he does is right. Now, but that's not the main thing I'm trying to say. So people ask me sometimes, so you see God will send people to hell, uh, fire. I always say like this, I haven't meditated based on understanding that God has given me. You must understand things that are in the realm of the spirit. They are not exactly like the ones on the earth. Do you get my point? But when you want to communicate with people or to people things they have never seen before, the only way you can describe it is to use things that they have seen. I hope you're getting my point. If you go and read um, um, Ezekiel describing the heavenly beings you saw, just know that that is hard to understand. Because Ezekiel was describing those beings based on what he has seen. A wheel inside a wheel that was turning like turning like this. That was the best he could do. In fact, Revelation, I heard a man analyze some of the grasshoppers in Revelation. He showed them to be attack helicopters. No, he explained that scorpion and all of that. He said, look, these are attack helicopters. This, it was describing military things. Why? He said, John, who was seeing them? What do you want him to call a helicopter? It's not grasshopper. <laughs> no, think about it. You see helicopters coming from far, from a distance. He said, the only thing John could relate with is just, you know, that's that blurry, the wing thing, you know, the, the blades, everything. The guy, look, look, look. What's with this? <laughs> and spirit tell us, nah, nah, grasshopper with that. So which kind of grasshopper? He said, dangerous grasshopper. <laughs> he says, what is that thing? It's bumble. He says, it's stink that is coming out from the tail. Of scorpion. Like the guy described American military. Described Russian military as grasshoppers and scorpions. Now that's what somebody said though. Maybe, you know, and that's one thing about um, interpretation. As you evolve, as you grow, yes. as you experience things. Jesus said there are things I want to tell you. Now you can't be there now because you don't have enough experience. You need experience to interpret things. So when they tell us about things that are in the another realm, they use things on this earth to describe. What am I trying to say? So when you see the word fire, I am convinced. Fire of the lake of fire, fire of hell, this is my own personal opinion. 
You can disagree, but you get my point. I don't believe it's literal. Why is it not literal? Because it's another realm. Why is it just like the gold there? I don't believe it's literal. Unless it's on this realm, because God will make a new heaven and a new earth. So that gold can be literal. But if it's not a new earth, it can't be. Because the elements there are different. The structure, not even element, the structure of the place. That's why you hear the word, God is spirit. That's a literal thing, not God is a spirit. That is, God is not physical, he is spirit. Spirit is also an adjective. Describing a particular realm of existence. We tend to use the word spiritual. No. Spirit means that it's the opposite of physical. That is, so this is matter. Matter is one thing, spirit is another. Do you get my point? So when something is spirit, it's difficult to describe it to people on the earth. Do you get my point? So you, you have to just use the things they have seen to explain it. But something crosses, now bear this in mind. There's something that crosses both the physical realm and the spiritual realm. There's something. And that's the traits in our hearts, the structure of our souls and our spirits. They cross, the, they cross both realms. One is it. Love is not a physical thing. And that's why you can't see love. You can only see the, the what? The labor of love. Faith is like that. You can't see faith. You can see what? The works of faith. Do you get my point? <laughs> That's what you can see. You can see the works of faith. You can't see faith. But spiritually, they can. Yeah. The angels can see faith. God can see faith. That's why Paul can perceive he had faith to be healed. The man was not healed yet. But because the faith was there, he could perceive it. It's a spiritual perception. But physically, you can only see the works of faith. The labor of love. The endurance of hope. No, those things, eh, they, they have to have a physical manifestation for you to be able to describe them. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. So when they want to describe hell, that's how you see things like that to come physically. Now, where am I going to all of these things? Do you know what really hell is? Or lake of fire? This is my own understanding. The spiritual trait that crosses both realms is torment. You know, I'm saying that spiritual things can cross. Okay? That they can find on both sides. Love, faith, things like that. Torment can be understood by both the spiritual beings and the physical beings. So when they wanted to explain torment, it's okay. What can we use to torment people on the earth? It's fire. This is my understanding. That what you call lake of fire or Gehenna of fire, that is hell, is just torment. It's not the burning of fire. It is that on the earth, fire torments. And you go through the Old Testament, you see when Nebuchadnezzar wanted to threaten Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he threatened them with what? The furnace, fire. So it's the torment that is the issue. Now, Please, see where I'm going. We started by saying, what is heaven? It's the presence of God. What is earth? It's a place for man. What is the hell and lake of fire? That's where I'm going. It's one place where God created and withdrew his presence from. It is worse than being in fire. Trust me on that. It's worse than being in fire. It's a kind of torment that you wish for death. And that's why people started preaching and teaching that once you die, you are dead permanently. Because it's better than being without God. It's better you never existed than for you to be in existence and there's no shred 
No remnant of God's presence around you. When that happens, you are said to be in hell. Fire or no fire? He said, well, eh, but, but, see, if they gave you fire at that time, it would be, ah, thank you, to be relieving. Fire at that time will be relieving. It's like, at least now I have feeling. I have something. You know, I like the way Ken Hagen described something. He said, darkness is so thick. You felt you could cut a chunk of it out with a knife. That is what hell is. You don't, that's the time you wish that somebody will burn you with you know, fire. Burn me, at least. I have feeling. To exist without, let me just summarize it, without any remnant of the spirit of God around you is torment. It's tormentous. It's horrible. It's so bad that the only way God could warn, the only way he could warn people about how bad it is was to compare it to being born permanently. Because we all know what it means to be born for two seconds. We all know what it means to be born for maybe... No, one hour. How you won't know? If you are there one hour after, they are not burning you. Put meat in fire for one hour. Let us see what happens. I mean, open fire. You, will you see the meat after 30 minutes? What, 30 minutes? After 5 minutes. You, the whole don't roast, don't turn to charcoal. Even the charcoal don't burn. And the, finally, the burnt charcoal turns to carbon dioxide. Everybody go away. Nothing remains. So we all know what it means to be born for a few seconds. Let me tell you what they call born. Just touch your iron. Can you keep your hand on your iron for two seconds? No, you can't. That's not happened to you. You want to check whether the iron is on. You just touch it like this. That's it. All you do was just to touch whether it is on. And that's it. Next three days, the hand is not working. So imagine being born like that. Just to, make, to bring it to real life. Just born you for half a second. Then you give you relief for another one minute. Half a second. And they were born. Do you know that you... You won't want life again. Now, we didn't put you there permanently. You just burn it for half a second on the hot iron. Then give you relief for one minute. Then you come back. Come on. That is what the Bible tries to describe. It's the torment. It's unimaginable. So people, now, back to the righteousness and the justice of God. So people say that God will will send somebody. You don't understand. He doesn't have to send you. He just withdraws his presence. He doesn't have to send you. He just withdraws his presence, which he can do easily. If you know the way spiritual things are, eh? God can create pockets of hell all over the universe. Each individual is in a separate hell. <laughs> I don't know whether you get my point. Yeah, just put pockets of his, where he has withdrawn his spirit. So to you, that place is just that. All of you are in such pockets, you will feel like you're in the same place, but you don't know. You. And it doesn't matter, because you can't even tell who's there with you. You've heard all those stupid lies that people tell themselves, he said, why well, do I don't want to go to heaven? I, I, saw, I saw this man say it. Um, what's the name of the founder of CNN? Tetana. He was talking like this. No, no, that doesn't go to heaven. He has to go to hell, you know, because he, 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 was, he was born to make things better. That heaven is perfect. It's not needed. He's going to go to hell where, where they can make improvements. <laughs> That's when people, when people think that intelligence is native to man. It's not. It's a gift of God. Ability to invent is a trait of the creator. It's something he left inside us. And he puts you in hell. You don't even know the meaning of the word invention. The thought of invention will not even come to your mind. You don't even know whether you have a mind. You don't want to be in hell, trust me. That day I was speaking on the podium like this and I was was watching him. I said, it's not your fault. It's God that just gave you small blessing. Just open your mouth. You know, Jeshurun became fat and kicked. That's what is worrying you. Because God used you small to 
to create some things. And I said, we'll go to hell, you know. And if I, some people say that, after all, that's where Michael Jackson will be. And Bob Marley will be there. They're going to be jamming morning, afternoon, and night. I said, go first. Go first. <laughs> go first. You will be right next to Michael Jackson. You will not recognize him. So I'm trying to emphasize, I'm trying to explain to us how things work, how spiritual things are. What is heaven? The presence of God. What is earth? Where he made for man. What is hell? Or lake of fire, both of them. Is a place where he has withdrawn his presence from. Don't ever forget these things. Can God send people to hell? He doesn't have to send. He just withdraws his spirit from around somebody. Like I was saying, you say you'll be, people say you'll be in hell, you'll be jamming with um, popular musicians and rock musicians. The ability to jam was left somewhere else. God has withdrawn his spirit. You see, Michael, I'm not saying Michael Jackson is in hell, I'm just saying what people say. Do you get my point? Before you dance, I'm not, um, I'm not saying. It's true now. <laughs> I'm not saying the man is in hell, I'm just saying what people say. The ability to sing will have been withdrawn. Because singing is a gift of God. I hope you're getting my point. The ability to mobilize people will have been removed. And the ability to appreciate music will have gone. If you're in hell and they give you a song, you wouldn't, have been, you wouldn't know it's a song. It sounds like cacophony to you. Have you ever been in a bad mood and they play music for you? You want to slap the person. <laughs> Do you get my point? You are angry. Your friend now touches you. <laughs> Maybe a man in the house. You're thinking of like they say, it's school fees week. So you are thinking, your wife now says, how are you doing? I want to kiss you. Go push on camera, come on here. Please come on. What you are thinking that does this kiss bring money? <laughs> the same thing that was, that normally will create atmosphere for miracles. Right now, what is he doing? I better go, please, 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 please. What I'm thinking now is that tomorrow we have to pay this money. And if your kids do not bring money, don't bring it here. What I'm going to say, to appreciate what is good is also a gift of God. Yeah. If God doesn't give you peace of mind, there are so many beautiful things on this side you can't appreciate. Mm. It's true. So bear that in mind. Now, why did I go into all of these things? So God who understands this, he doesn't focus, which is why Jesus said what he said. His focus always is on the person. Never the environment. The focus of the Lord every time is on the person. So when God wants to create heaven, and that's what he does. He can create heaven anywhere. He can create heaven in Enugu here. He can create heaven because heaven also can manifest on the earth. So he can create heaven anywhere. What does he do? He puts his spirit inside people. And listen to this. Anywhere they walk, eventually begins to manifest the characteristics of heaven. And there are two ways. One is just natural. That is like, one is natural. They don't have to do anything about it. Just their presence. Because, you see, human beings can't control the storm. If you heard of global warming, I know many people not like this. Google may not even like the fact that we are talking about global warming on, um, on YouTube. Now, recently, Nigeria went, um, our vice president went to meet the vice president of America and they were discussing climate change. And I was laughing. As much as I did, I was not excited by P2B's response when they asked him, but I still had to laugh, and I, I said, it actually makes sense. He said, bros, climate change, they are shooting his up, and I'm talking climate change. 
No, that's what Vidobi said when they asked him. No, the truth is that he wasn't sure what really happened. So just he had to just you no know, politicians are funny. He just twisted his head. But I said, okay, even the response, eh? It makes it awesome. He said, he said, climate change. Nah, we're talking security here. You're talking climate change. <laughs> They're not as good. I, I mean, <laughs> if I'm the president, exactly what I would say. I mean, like, <laughs> I'll just, I know, I, what the Super Joe did was good. He just, just don't be to speak English with the Americans. Uh, 20, 30 something, by that time, we have left power, leave that. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, <laughs> Now, what I said, I want to say that Google they will not like, and most people in the world today, they won't like it. And most humans have bought that, is that. You know, actually, the temperature of this globe, this is my personal opinion. I'm not saying scripture, but it's based on my understanding. Human beings can't control it. They can't. They will try, and they will seem to succeed when it coincides with the natural variation. You know, some time ago, I gave some figures here. I, I read about it. And I found out that in the last... Is it 100 years that the globe had warmed averagely? With all the noise they've been making, you'll assume that it has become very hot. The, tot- the total increase was just about uh, 1.01 degrees in the last 150 years. One degree in the last 150 years. 1.01 or 1.02, that's small. And 90% of that increase happened in the last 10 years. So, if you remove this last 10 years, from 150 years ago to 10 years ago, the increase in the global temperature was that 0.1 or zero, less than 0.2 degrees. He said, Pastor Banke, do you know what that means? No, I'll tell you what, what I'm talking about. But I've been hearing this shout about global warming for more than 20 years. Am I, am I wrong? So by the time I started hearing this shout, shout global warming, it had not happened. It had not happened. It actually absolutely had not happened. There was no reason to believe it was happening. It's just that some people interpreted a variation as warming. So that variation, it went down again, and they kept quiet. And of course, in the 70s, in the late 60s and 70s, the shout was what? Global cooling. Now, the shout was all over the place. Are we heading for another ice age? Are we now these things are on record? You can go and Google up old newspapers, they are there. And this is the interesting part the same arguments they use now as the reason they call it anthropogenic theory for global warming is the very same arguments they use for global cooling. Industrialization is cooling the earth. How is it cooling the earth? When you release a lot of smoke, sun cannot get down. Now, you release a lot of smoke, heat cannot escape. <laughs> Do I believe in climate change? I do. But I believe it's, it's variation that spans centuries. Just like weather spans days. Today can be hot. Like now, if you live in Enugu in the last few weeks, you don't put on your AC, you don't put on your fan you want to, when you want to sleep. Otherwise, your nose will be, will be frozen by the time you wake up in the morning. No, yesterday, there was power failure. I didn't even bother. Power failure. I failed now. <laughs> do you get my point? The amount of air conditioning that the engines were blowing through the windows, it was so much that... You did, when the, once, it, once it was time to sleep, I just said, put off the generator. Don't burn my fuel. Everywhere was cold. But you know this same Enugu. 
There are times that, you know, you will strip naked and sleep on the roof. Just to be, <laughs> just to be able to sleep well. So, you see, weather varies day to day. Today is hot, tomorrow is cold. Day to, in fact, my friend who lives in UK, one day, he heard that I was going to the US. So, he said, ah, you're going to this person's house. Let me meet you guys there so we can just have a nice time together, you know, old friends. So, we're just, <laughs> we're moving. So, every time we go out, he carries a sweater, which was good because... They told me that it was summer in New York. I thought summer in New York is the same thing as summer in Enugu. You know? You think it's the same thing. Except that everybody's walking around shirtless and wearing knicker. And I'm shivering. Well, guys, you call this guy. You guys call this summer, man? I'm telling you, I was shivering. So because my friend always had a sweater. If you see our pictures that time, I had a sweater all the time. It was his sweater. The rest of them were looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? So, <laughs> boy, I came from Enugu. In Enugu, this is cold. <laughs> Now, what am I telling this story? So I asked, why do you carry a sweater? He said, no, in London, you have to do that because the weather changes so fast, it's unpredictable. He said, you can leave your house in the morning and you're warm. By afternoon, you're freezing. So he said that he's, he's, he's learned the habit of going out with a sweater. So anytime I go, I just take a sweater, puts around his neck. Why? He said, he never, he said where is coming from? London. He said, the, he said, the weather changes that rapidly. Now, think about those changes. So that's what we call weather. It changes hour to hour, day to day, week to week. But then there's also patterns on the earth, I'm convinced of, that takes decades and centuries, sometimes millennia. Do you get my point? Now, why did I say all of this? Now, again, let me just give you my, this is not Bible, this is my understanding of life. Having been a believer for a long time and having read the scriptures and observed things, this is just my understanding. Okay, so that's some things I'm just sharing with you now. Now, scientifically, they have many, uh, what do you call it, theories for why the globe is warming, for why it's getting warmer. And one of them is that it's because of our habits. That's how we burn energy. It's just one out of like five or six. Just one. I don't talk about the other ones now, but the only, okay, I'll just mention one other one. That maybe the sun. It expands a bit, releases more heat. That may be the reason. And it cools down a bit because there's what they call solar flares. So it's difficult to tell exactly. So they keep researching it, but some people just say, no, 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 no. It's what we are doing on the earth. That is not what science is saying. That's why they keep on telling you, scientists have all agreed. It's a lie. It is not true. Please, that thing is false. Scientists have not all agreed. What happens is that once you disagree, they shut you down. No, nobody will publish your papers. They will not grant you interviews you will not even get a job. You are dealing with, look, this world has a system. So they not tell all scientists have agreed. You know what happened? That they shut down the ones that did not agree. They don't publish the works of the ones that did not agree. So those ones are forced to publish their works in what they call fringe um, uh, journals. Journals that are not popular. Journals that people think of questionable integrity. And if you do publish that, publish a work there, it is now interpreted as being questionable because of the journal you published it in. Do you get my point? Meanwhile, the main journals will not agree to publish it. Just as an aside, the first person, well, who, the, well, the first one that published that cancers can be caused by organisms like viruses, he published his article in one silly small journal. Small article, small journal, because the whole world said it's not possible. So the main journals did not agree to publish him. Decades later, they found out that he was right. Finally, 
they now, of course, they identified the a virus is named after the man now. It's called Rouse Sakuma virus. Causes uh, some cancers in some animals. Now, this is where I'm going. They don't give Nobel Prizes to people who are dead. The only reason he got his Nobel Prize is that he lived to be in the 90s. Essentially apologizing to him for not listening to him 50 years ago, 60 years ago. I don't know whether you're getting my point. All right? So, now, why did I go into all of this scientific talk? To let you know that truly, hmm, human beings can't control some things on this earth deliberately. You cannot deliberately control when it rains, whether there will be a drought, whether the globe will be warm or will be cold. I use the word directly. Your, the presence of God in, now listen to this, in the people, the blessing of God in the people, the judgment of God against the people is what controls all those things. So you're just there. You're not talking to the weather. You're just walking in life, living your moral life one way or the other. And a drought comes. And they say, why is there drought? God said, because they are forsaking me. Did you see that? It's not as if you say, okay, everybody, let's burn fire. Keep on burning the fire so that there will be drought. No. You just build some shrines all over the place. which led to certain activities amongst you as a people. We learn to certain behaviors. Worship false gods will lead to false behaviors and all of that. After a while, the, the smell, the odor of the immorality, the evil done on this earth, it gets to heaven and heaven shuts down rain. Do you get my point? That is one way by which we can create heaven on earth by our life. So that if we are walking in particular, when the spirit of God is in us, the natural response to our presence Activate certain things. Rain starts falling in a season. It doesn't fall too much. Because you know, the way rain falls determines what you can plant. If it rains all the time, heavily, better be planting only rice. Because now only rice now go chop. Cassava will not even answer you. Yam will rot in the earth. Yam expects that there will be rain. But at certain times, it will not rain again. So that's why you go to some countries, they don't farm yam. But they form rice. There are some crops that don't like much rain at all. Now, what I'm trying to say, so those things are spiritually determined. So when, God, when the blessing is oozing out from inside you, the clouds respond. The movement of El Nino <laughs> responds. Those of you who know geography. So many things respond around you. The way the climatic you know, breeze will be moving is affected not directly by human beings. You can't control those things. That's why I talked about global warming. I laugh. I say, well, and then again, of course, there's a lot of geopolitics with it. One of our sisters, the son did a master's in energy and all of that. One day we were talking, it was Nenugu. I said, well, he told, he told me something. I said, she, you know, this thing you guys are doing is mostly politics. He laughed. He said, sir, we know. That's mostly politics. We have to do energy generation and all that as an engineer. I said, this is mostly politics. He said, he knows. A lot of things that people do on this edge, you know, renewable energy, you know, renewable energy. I can assure you of one thing, 90% of this is pure politics. It's management of global power. I mean political power, and I don't mean electricity power. I mean political power. Who has, look at what's happening now in Russia and Ukraine. When Europe was fighting Russia, you know, in Europe, you know, supporting Ukraine, Russia just turned off the gaps. All of you freeze. I don't know whether they've turned it off now. So last week, they shut off the, all the gas supply to, to Europe. Now the guys run come Nigeria, come begin give us money to build pipe from Potakot across the, uh, uh, the desert to cross to Europe. Yeah, 
That's what, they are doing that now. I saw a map yesterday. Do you know that they are building pipes now to run all around the west coast of Africa, down to northern Africa to get to Europe? It's been built. Ah, when you see when you come and begin shake down, go to ah, bro, Sali now. How are you doing? <laughs> they have become friends with Sali all of a sudden. Friends with Nigeria. Why? Because Russia has too much power. Sanctions, sanctions, sanctions. Russia is making more money than it ever made. Why? Because as soon as you clamp sanctions on Russia, the price of energy, of um, gas and oil goes up. And Russia, Russia is one of the world's largest producers. You say you won't buy from them. China is buying. India is buying. They have to buy because they need it. And China is buying in the currency they want in rubles. It, since all this crisis began, every currency has gone down against the dollar. Every single one. It's not a Naira thing. Oh, if you think it's Naira, it's not Naira. Every single currency in the world has gone down against the dollar. Europe is, in fact, the other day my wife was telling me that, ah, that she asked somebody to tell her the price that, uh, I can do Euro. She gave me the figures. And dollar is 610, it's 710. You, most of us never need to happen. Same thing with pounds. Pounds are almost getting close to be at par. Everything has been dropping. Even Japanese yen dropped against the dollar. The only currency that did not drop is the Russian ruble. The Russian one is the only one that refused to go down. It's waxing stronger every day. Let's, let's not get into the details of how they manage that. So all of this discussion, and believe me, is political talk. Human beings cannot control whether it will rain or it will not rain. You cannot control the temperature of the globe. You think God is angry? Okay, when you finish everything, God will just tell, tell, tell the angel feeding the sun. Oh boy, increase that in small. The angel will just open the tap small. Foo! More helium. <laughs> Enter the, the sun will just expand by 0.1%. Everybody on the earth will, will fry. Please, I'm, what I'm t- teaching, uh, please try and follow me. The most important thing in the universe is not this hour, uh, it's not whether you burnt gas or didn't burn gas. It's what is inside your heart. It's whether you have the spirit of God in you or you don't. If you have, because that's one thing God wanted. He put Adam, because what I'm trying to do in this series it's really explained for, to us how things work spiritually. So you know why Jesus died. You know what, like we're praying this morning, that everybody listening will understand the hope of their calling. You know exactly what's the hope of your calling. Why are you a believer? What is God trying to achieve? I began all of this trying to emphasize that. that is, is, that, is that spiritual being in you? Is that soul of man? I don't want to separate between the spirit and the soul of man because it really can't be separated. Okay? It's difficult. That's why don't, only the word of God can divide the soul and the spirit. They are so tightly connected. So I just want to put it together as the heart of man. It's that heart of man that God is concerned about. If you infuse that heart of man with the right spirit, heaven starts flowing out of him into the environment. That's why I said everything I said so far about global warming and all of that. The world makes me laugh. You see, this is what they do. And please be careful. Oh God, so many things to say. See, the world is not, it's not just government. It's a spiritual network. And they have a plan. Do you get my point? Yeah, it's a spiritual, look, it's not Illuminati. I don't know what's Illuminati. These are spiritual beings, really. In life, you, you, you decide the spiritual being you want to work with. Their own aim is, is being the same from the beginning. 
Satan came to the garden and tried to cut off the relationship between man and God. That's what they are doing till today. And God, you know, one of the reasons why the Bible says, he that sits in heaven shall laugh, is that no matter what you do, you can't plot against God successfully. But they are plotting. They keep plotting. I don't know why on earth people will not learn. They keep plotting. What the world tries to do today is simple. They create problems spiritually. Then they find the consequences. When they observe the consequences, they start fighting against the consequences, not saying where is the root of the problem. Think about this. A tap is leaking in your house. You get home, your rug is soaked. Your floor everywhere is wet. And what you will invest money in is rug dryer, mop, and airing your house. Does that make sense to you? It's very funny. Human now, what I've told you now, you know, it does not sound very silly. It sounds stupid. Incredibly stupid. But you know that's what human beings do every day. They find problems on the earth. They say, what is the solution? Let me give you an example now. I'm going to give one very interesting example or, or two. Now, we spend money in medical field every day researching into cause of cancers and all of that. Okay? Just like I told you, now, you might want a Nobel Prize for showing that viruses cause, can- cause cancers. The most significant one in human beings is cancer of the cervix. That is that that's, we know a virus causes directly. All right? It's cancer of the cervix. It's the second commonest cancer of women. Do you understand? So we know what causes it. It's a particular virus called HPV. We know how it spreads, just one way, sexual immorality. But you know the scientific world does not accept to address that. Say, Lila, don't talk about it. They must have sex the way they like. So we'd rather spend billions investigating how to stop HPV. We spend billions investigating how to catch the cancer is causing early. We spend billions trying to vaccinate every young girl worldwide. But please, don't tell them they can't have sex recklessly. Don't tell them that if they marry, they must stick a husband with one wife. Don't. Why? Ah, why do you want to talk about that? And they de- I'm telling you, it's deliberate. And they attack the Catholic Church. That the reason why cancer is spreading on this earth is because the Pope will not agree for the people to do what um, they are saying. And I said to them, like, are you mad? If you're a true Catholic, you don't need, they don't need your solution. I don't know whether I get my point. Catholics are not just teaching you don't use condoms. That's not what they are saying. Because they say, no, the Pope must authorize it. Pope said, why should I? By my law, my priests don't have problems. By my law, my reverend sisters don't have problems. By my law, my church members that will obey my law, they won't have problems. So why are you discussing this with me? Yeah, they take the Catholic church to the, to, to, to the media time to say, look at what the church, the problem the church is causing. I say, are you, sorry, 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 I hope you don't mind my bad English. Are you mad? Anybody who is not obeying the Pope can obey you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, you're not catching it. That the Pope does not need to change what he's saying. Those who want to disobey him, they're already disobeying him and obeying you. And you're saying he should change his law for those who are obeying him. Because if they obey him, the problem you are trying to solve does not exist. Are you getting my point? You are saying that they are spreading this virus and other things around because they are not using condoms. Pope said, no, they won't have to spread anything if they marry one wife and stick with that wife. And you know something that human beings are so funny. 
And if you see, the one day they did an interview. On Nayekon, that's the, the cardinal in Nigeria, was on that board. One British woman was there, was on the panel. Then opposing them were, I think, Richard Dawkins, celebrated artists. And they were supposed to judge. They talked that day. I looked at Nayekon and that woman and said, in a trial, if I was the one, of course, Nayekon did a bad job. Not because he's a bad person. But because he's talking faith to unbelievers. If I was the one, ah, no, no, in fact, don't bother inviting me. If you invite me, I will go. But the name Jesus will drop from my mouth every 10 seconds. When you talk about this, you know, see, the, the, the creator manifested in Christ Jesus. You know, by the time I finish that day, you will just drive me out of the place. And I've, I've achieved my aim. 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 They were just, you know, they made a mess of the people of faith. Because what they were saying, actually, didn't make human sense. It didn't make human sense. The man was giving them the laws of the church, and they were trying to prove that it's not been of benefit to the society. And in my mind, why should it be? I don't want it to benefit the society. I want it to benefit the believers. And then the believers will benefit the society. So the problem you have is when believers are not true believers indeed. Instead of you telling me to water down my law to accommodate them, why don't you just leave me to talk to them, to obey my laws. Then decide whether my laws benefit them as individuals or it doesn't. What am I saying? That's what the world does. They find the consequence of their actions is obvious to them, but they never accept that their actions cause it. So you see, every day the world gets up. How do we make people happier? You know, remove the laws on sexual morality. I mean, you can marry and divorce anytime. And if you, any way you like, Either you can marry anybody you like. If you like, don't like a human being, you marry a dog. I mean, you like a dog. I get a baboon. They're available. I'm telling you, sounds funny, but the world is, they are doing it right now. Why? Because they are looking for the secret to happiness. This is the thing I say, if I say Google will not like, if they find that they will remove it from their website, that's their problem. I will still publish it. So they went into the realm that, listen, now, please, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 is true. God gave them over to foolishness. So a young man comes up one day, he's not feeling happy. Now, look, listen. If I don't give my children everything, anything they want, I don't give them the proper amount of food, say they want shirt, I don't buy new shirt. They want a um, new game, I don't buy. I make them read, read morning, afternoon, and night. After a while, they'll be unhappy. Victory will be very unhappy. The way I'm looking at it, parents will just, will just be looking straight like this. I mean, young people get unhappy. That's the point I'm trying to make. If things don't work well. You know what they now do, especially in a place like California? They now see the children dancing. You know why you're unhappy? You say, why am I unhappy? Because inside you're a girl. They do it deliberately. I am not lying to you. They now wrote laws that say that you don't have to tell your parents about this our discussion. For children. They now do counseling for children, the law backing them that they don't have to disclose to their parents. So children are being told they are transgender. Now, the reason why this boy is not happy, maybe he's not saying that when I'm not happy, sometimes I just take my sister's clothes and I wear them. Why is he wearing his sister's clothes? Because I won't buy a new game. Why is he wearing his sister's clothes? Because he's just tired. You know, you know, you just want to just do something different. So they just say, wait, wait, did you say you wear your sister's clothes? He said, yes. 
Then that's, they start explaining to you that you're actually transgender. What does transgender mean? It means that inside you, you are not a boy. You are a girl. But outside me, I'm a boy. Yeah, that's only outside. But inside, really. <laughs> and of course, they start asking questions to reinforce this. At the end of the day, they say, okay, what we are going to do? And they do this to children as young as 12. They start, they start giving them what they call puberty blockers. And the law is now spreading all over Europe that they don't have to tell the parents. One man became so-called transgender. I saw his video. You know why his, his life was like that? It's simple. He was staying with his grandmother. Because parents, maybe they go to work, okay, drop him off with the grandmother. The mother, grandmother used to make clothes, mostly dresses. So the grandmother would give him a dress to wear. There was nothing transgender about the boy. It's just that his grandmother used to give him a dress to wear. So he grew up wearing dresses. They told him, oh, you are transgender. Let me say something quickly. You can never have joy. No, Christian said there's joy and there's happiness. Listen, that's modern preaching. The truth is the same thing. Do you get my point? If you are joyful, you are happy. If you are happy, you are joyful. I don't know the meaning of your joy is from inside, happiness is from outside. Look. <laughs> what you call happiness is fullness of joy. I don't know what that is my point. When your joy is full, it bubbles as laughter. There's what the Bible calls the fullness of joy. Ask and you shall receive that what? Your joy may be full. What does it mean for joy to be full? It's not, you can't cap it inside. You just say, ha. Ah, okay, how now? You burst into laughter. That's called what? Fullness of joy. I remember when we first married that time, my wife used to laugh at everything. <laughs> at the point I was looking at, this girl okay. You know that kind of. <laughs> Why won't you be laughing? You just married. Did you get my point? She was laughing at everything. If you see butterfly fly up, I said, that butterfly. She was going to laugh at <laughs> It's true. We went to just that time. We now followed our friends to a meeting. So they were cracking jokes. There was one joke they cracked. My wife laughed for like four days on that joke. <laughs> I still remember that joke. What's it called? Fullness of what? Joy. This is what I'm say. You can't have joy outside the presence of the Spirit. If God withdraws the Spirit from you, you won't have joy. And the more he withdraws it, the more things that normally will make joy full will not be able to fill up your joy. I hope you're getting my point. Let me explain. Normally, normally, think about it. Maybe you see a young man. He's not old. I mean, you're young, maybe like 16, thereabout. You go and buy him a, you buy him a new laptop. You give it to him. You know, he looks like, Daddy, one day I bought my son a tab. He went and told his mother. I remember very well. He said, isn't he the best daddy in the world? That's what Benga said to my wife that day. I bought him a tab. He turned to his mother. He said, isn't he the best daddy in the world? Do you get my point? Of course, he was excited. If I remember the day that tab was sports, he called me when Makodi said, that like this tab. I said, okay, don't worry. When I come back, we'll buy another one. When I went to the mall, we made the choice. And I said, okay, ah, my card is in the car. I gave him the key, told him where to find my ATM card. Go and get it so we can pay. The way the boy crossed, I wanted to say, well, relax before Moto knock you down. <laughs> that is, he was hurrying to the car. The car is not good. We are already in the shop. <laughs> I can't change my mind. 
He was so excited. Now, that's it. Now, now, that's it for a young guy, teenager, and all of that. Now, let's come down to a young man. He's a bit older, maybe like 21. He now comes out one day. He now said that. He now said to him, Say, this corolla is your own. Ah! Daddy! <laughs> if he sleeps for two days, you wonder, how did you manage to sleep? You go and give a young boy a car. He's going to his house. The house is very high. Boys, enter, enter, enter. That is, they, where are they going? They don't know. <laughs> now, you see where I'm going with all this talk? A little thing. See the way it's making their joy bubble over. Do you know why? There's a spirit inside them already that has given them a level of joy. So it's easy for you to push it over. Do you know there are people you give a brand new Lamborghini? The joy does not last 24 hours. Larry Lee's father was a millionaire. He had everything. When he went to tell his father about the amount of you know, sadness in him, his father looked at him and said, for any young man that has everything that you have and is still feeling like this, he must be on drugs. And the boy was sad. You know why? He wasn't on drugs. He wasn't on drugs. Life was just meaningless to him. That's the man that wrote the book. You know, tarry with me for one hour. Finally, he went mental. They put him in a psychiatric hospital. Good enough, it turned out to be a Catholic hospital. So there were Bibles. So he began to read the New Testament. That was when he met Jesus Christ. In fact, when he finished reading it, you know, the Catholic hospitals have crosses everywhere. And on it, there's something that's written I-N-R-I. So he read it as Henry. So he went around guarding all the crosses. So they saw oh, that this is our patient that is sick. He's misbehaving. So he, he, was going, he will climb everywhere, remove every cross. He will pack everything. So he was running. They said, why? They were not chasing him. You know what he was saying? His name is not Henry. His name is Jesus. His name is not Henry. They were hearing his name is not Henry. So they were pushing this guy like, come on, bring the crosses back. After that, he got well. What they did not know, that he had met Jesus. So he was provoked by the fact that they are calling Jesus Henry. They thought he was accusing them of calling Jesus Henry. How did he get born again? After reading the Bible like that, he got on his knees. And he shouted, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He shouted that name three times. Nobody led him in sinner's prayer. And that's the Spirit of God came upon him. And healed his confusion. Is that calling his friends who are rock stars and all of that? Famous people. The men that he has found what they are all looking for. What are we looking for? He said, go and get a Bible. Get a New Testament. He said, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you finish, get on your knees and shout, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Three times. Do you know, everyone that did what he said, the Spirit of God came upon them. They were, giving, they were getting born again, one after the other. Because they read a New Testament. And they didn't know this one. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. All the stories. They did not know it. They just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Got on the knees and shouted, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit said, here I am. <laughs> what am I going to say? See, that's why you find people without Christ. They have everything. They are committing suicide. The man who started Zappos, which was sold for, I forgot, maybe about a billion dollars. I can't remember. Hundreds of millions of dollars, yes. To Amazon. So that company successful. One day he locked himself in a, in, in a house and set the house on fire. Before they could break it down, he was dead. It was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Prince. One of the world's most talented musicians that ever existed. Died of drug overdose in his own lift. His house was that big. That was his studio, his house, his everything. Big. He entered the lift to go. He died inside the lift. Of fentanyl overdose. Michael Jackson could not sleep. A doctor had to anesthetize him every night for him to sleep. You're not getting my point. For you to sleep, what I need to give you is a bed and pillow. If it's hot, I put fan. If you're a big man, I have to add AC. Then you will sleep. If you don't sleep, you take small villain tablet. Or what do you call it? Uh, Lexotan. And you sleep. When it gets really difficult, we know what to give you. And you will sleep. They gave Michael Jackson everything, the highest doses possible. He did not sleep. So how do we make this guy sleep? Finally, they got the doctor that agreed to be anesthetizing him. We only use anesthesia when we want to cut you open. Surgery. Michael Jackson needed to be anesthetized to sleep. And you give him propofol. So he can, that's what he used to, in anesthesia we call it induction. To induce anesthesia for him to sleep. You want to live in this life without the spirit of Christ? That. <laughs> so, this is, I'm going to explain something here. You can't have joy without the spirit of God in you. What we get a lot of times is what we call happiness. Is that what? Fullness. So when you have baseline joy, your husband comes from work and shows you a new earring. You already have small joy inside. That is why earring can make you laugh. You have joy inside. That is why they just give you earring. So it's your birthday. Do you want to me? Do I give a woman a rose? Oh! <laughs> What's all this shout about? It's flower. Which Jesus said will last for how long? 24 hours. <laughs> it's joy that is inside. Once I was walking, shortly after my wife, I was walking in one clinic in Lagos. So one night, I still remember, one nice Honda drove in. And one house man came out and asked my people that, please, they want to see the doctor. It was around 11 at night. So they looked at him like, so they went and called me. I came out. He said, please, he told me one story that his wife is an emergency whether I can follow him home. Lagos. So I said, okay, no problem. Hey, the nurse, I see that young woman. Doc, you can't go. The security man like, no, why can't you follow him? They, were, they, were, they panicked. How can somebody, you come out, enter. I said, relax now. You know what they didn't know? I just finished NYC not too long ago. And I said in the north. It's still a habit there. When it's an emergency, they don't take the person. They, take, they go and bring the doctor. You don't get the point. When I was seven, it was, an, it was a habit. When there's an emergency in the house, they don't carry the person around to the hospital. They run to the clinic to go and bring the doctor to the house. <laughs> so I was used to it. Maybe that's what gave me the bone. It wasn't like I was bored. I was just used to it. I slept in Taraba State. One part, you know, Jonathan. Where's Jonathan? Uh, okay, it's another side. That's why Jonathan also served like 50 years later. All right? <laughs> But when I was serving, that was, the, that was the habit. Now, what I'm telling the story is that, so I entered the man's car, followed him to his house, very nice house. So I entered the place, and his wife was lying on the floor. So I bent down, tapped her, tried to arouse her. What is the issue? She was half conscious. I tried to ex- talk to her, introduce myself. I'm a doctor, I'm this and that and that. Making an answer, she showed me the empty packs of drugs, everything she had swallowed. 
So I was counting. Let me see how many tablets of Valium, how many of Lexotan, how many of uh, Panadol. She, she just swallowed everything. So the man just came from outside, saw her on the floor. Then he turned, ran to the closest hospital to get to grab the doctor. And I came. So I just told him that, look, listen, please, we really have to take the woman to the hospital. But my hospital cannot handle this for certain reasons. So I said, okay. He said, where do we go? I said, let's go to a co-hospital. That they are a bigger hospital. Let's see what they will do. Make a long story short. We grabbed the woman, me and the driver. The driver was now there. And him put her in the car, rushed to the hospital, okay, handed, them, handed over to the other doctor there. We talked a bit. So the, his driver was not supposed to take me back to my own base. Now that's something the whole story. The man was not telling me. He said he doesn't understand. That what is going on? I mean, I saw the house. What is he looking for? That this car, nice Honda. That's what I started telling him that this Honda is nice. He said, this is Madame's car. The one he was using to drive me back to my own place. That this is a woman's car. So she doesn't understand this one. The woman tried to commit suicide. For what? You know, he was confused. Because if I have everything like this, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> what am I saying? What happens to us is this. We strive to fill literally the void that only the Spirit of God can fill. That's why you go to where they have denied God. They are always inventing things to give themselves excitement. If you know about drugs, that's why addiction is so terrible. Addiction is horrible. See, drug addiction is bad. Human doctors have no cure for it. Only God can end addiction. The cycle of addiction is horrible. Once somebody gets hooked, if the person is not going to church and studying the word regularly, it's a hopeless case. It's a totally hopeless case. Because the thing has crossed the issue of just being the body. It has crawled into the spirit of the human, the soul, of course. It has entered the soul and there are spiritual forces hooking on the person's head. That's why I read the statistics. You see all these big, big people. Hollywood stars and all of that. Musicians that get into these things. They go into rehabilitation. 90% relapse, I think, within a year or two. And they spend tens of thousands of dollars for therapy. Finally, they have to leave the medical therapy and start using some Eastern religion, meditation. That's the only hope. But they still will not come to Christ. Because the problem with Christ is this. Let me use the word problem. You don't use Christ to solve your problems. You don't. You either follow him or you don't follow him. People want to come to Christ to solve problems and then go back to their life. And Jesus does not accept. He said, that's not my deal. You come to Christ, you give him your whole life. You know, the life is useless anyway. So why are you not giving it to him? That's the problem people have with Jesus Christ. You don't, you, and a lot of Christians are still thinking they can use Christ like that. You just come, collect something, and then go away. <laughs> no, no. When you come to Jesus, you give him everything. Like also what J. Smith said, he said that Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. You come to him and give him everything. It's one major reason these people are not following him. Because he doesn't, he doesn't change the tense for anybody. Many people, they come, they pretend they've given him everything. He solves their problems. They say, now we are free. Then they go back. Then seven spirits more wicked than the one Jesus drove away. Jump on their heads. Now say, Jesus does not work. Jesus doesn't work. You are right. He is Lord. He doesn't work for people. You have to give him your whole life in his entirety. Now, why am I saying all of these things? So you see, what God does for people, when they deny him, and he's no longer present in their lives, they start looking for 
what God is supposed to be doing in their lives in other things. They start using drugs, and this is one thing about drugs. One particular one does not work for long. You start with Igbo. You know what they call Igbo? You start with Indian hemp. What they call that Indian hemp? Is it from, is it from India? I don't, know. I don't know. But you start with, you know what I mean, cannabis. Then after a while, you realize it doesn't work. It's not enough. Then you add something else. Usually they lace it with a bit of, um, uh, what's, uh, uh, you know Nkurumiri? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know where Nkurumiri goes, that's actually the literal translation from what Americans call it. Americans call it crystal meth. And they call it crystal meth, so they call it ice. So on the streets in America, it's called ice, which is what Nkurumiri is. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. So they add that one to it. After a while, you realize that's not working again. You have to add cocaine to it. Those days, you know, the devil is very wicked. Those days, you added things like um, um, heroin. Started with morphine, you add heroin. Now, the problem with the heroin is that it's still very expensive till now. It's very, very expensive. But there is a form of heroin. It does the same thing. We call them opioids. That is very cheap because Chinese will make it. It's synthetic, but at least five to ten times more powerful than heroin. And it's just a fraction of the price. It's called fentanyl. So right now, in much of the world, there is a, there's an opioid epidemic. But actually, fentanyl is fueling it. Chinese will produce it in tons every year and smuggle it to all these countries all over the world. So because people will not serve the Lord their God willingly, now they are serving fentanyl forcefully. Yes. Why? Because you see, now, that's how I began with that. That joy that God gives, which bubbles over with meat pie. They give you meat pie. You laugh. You know? Maybe you're a single woman, young woman, one bro is passing by, he draws pizza for you. Whoa! You know that kind of thing? There's small godly joy inside you. So it's easy to fill it up with small, small gifts. They buy you jewelry. Whoa! Now, these people, have, they bought them everything. There's no, there's no hope. There's no, there's no effect. It will, it, it will last like five minutes. You give her everything five minutes. Then she needs something else. You give him something, it lasts 15 minutes. Then he needs something else. So he starts going to things like drugs, and then keeps graduating one after the other until the whole life is ruined by drug addiction. Where did the whole thing start from? Lack of God in that life. Now, instead of this world system to just accept it, no, they say the problem is not that we don't have God. The problem is that we don't have enough of these things. Then they look for more of those things. So you see, there's this terrible cycle. People are always pursuing what they will never find. Because the place where it exists is inside God, and they're not looking for him. What's the reason why they didn't look for him? It's simple. When you follow the Lord, he doesn't just bless you, he gives you rules. Oh, every blessing of God has rules. Everyone has rules. Who created the garden? God. He placed that inside and told you you can't eat this one. <laughs> every blessing that God gives you has rules. Now, it's those rules people don't like. That is why they don't follow him. Now, why did I go to all of this? To tell emphasize something. Heaven is created on the earth by the presence of the Spirit of God. Now, I said there are two ways by which our heaven is created. First way, I said once the Spirit of God is just inside you, 
It affects things that you don't have control over. It affects when it rains. It affects when the sun shines. It affects the weather, the climate. The climate is affected when the spirit of God is in you. What happens is that the spirit of the blessing starts affecting things in the heavens. That's number one. The second thing is that how does heaven come to the earth? The second way it does is that the spirit in you also starts showing you things in how it is in how you are supposed to do things, right? For example, this, the rain falls at the right time, right? But does it produce crops? No. So that same spirit now says, hey, hey, wait. Rain is going to start falling in late March, April. You know what I say? say get your corn ready. That same spirit tells you that. When you get the corn ready, first, second rain, you break the earth, you till it, you start planting your corn. The spirit tells you, hey, wait, this is how you handle so that pests will not finish your corn for you. At the end of the year, between, or the end of the season, between the blessing in the heavens, which causes rain, the proper climatic conditions, and your own actions, which was inspired, it is the Lord thy God that giveth you what? The power. So that power puts action in your hands. The two, of, the two things cooperate, you have what? Abundance of harvest. So that's what God does in producing heaven on the earth. First, he gives, by the presence of God in people's lives, they affect the things that they cannot handle. Then that same spirit teaches them what they can handle and how to handle those things. I hope you're getting my point. That is how God produces heaven on earth. So when God wants to produce heaven, remember, heaven is what? The presence of God. What it does is to work on people so as to put his spirit inside them. I can tell you this as a matter of fact. In the beginning, the only place, you heard all that story, let the earth produce, all those kind of things. <sighs> How do I say this? If you left the garden that time, all those let the earth produce, all let the earth produce, you wouldn't see that elsewhere. Yeah, I'm telling you as a matter of fact. If you left the garden and travel 1,000 kilometers, you wonder, why is this earth not producing? That's what you're going to see. If you read that story in Genesis very well, you will see. Sometimes it's quite confusing because a lot of things you read in the Bible, they're actually prophetic. That is like, God has set a structure and has declared it, but that thing hangs in the realm of the spirit. He has not produced on the earth. So he said to Abraham, a father of many nations I have made you. And Abraham is walking alone, he and his wife. No offspring. What am I going to say? The Lord God, if the whole earth was nice like that, why did they have to plant a garden? Do you get what I'm saying? The whole earth was not a garden. God had to specially plant a garden and put boundaries around it. Basically, what was he saying? Adam, you stay here. Now, now when Jesus used to come to meet with Adam, there were a number of reasons. Now, when I say Jesus, now you know, when God comes in physical form, all right, is his son. It's the son that has come. The father doesn't wear cloth, that is kind of earthly cloth. He doesn't wait. He doesn't. Anytime he has to come to this our realm, when he can borrow in quotes, human form, is the son that comes. Is the exact image of the father. So that is how he comes, and just by the way, so that we'll understand it. When he says, let us make man in our image, it's not the image of the father, physically. Physically. Spiritually, yes. 
Physically, it could not be. It couldn't be. Physically, it was the image of the son that Adam was made after. I hope you're getting my point. All right? So when the Lord will come to the garden, what was he trying to do with Adam? Listen, he was coming to, you see, because you must understand something. You give your life to Christ today. Hmm? You are far from perfect. What did I say? That is perfect is at the end of a long road. You just give your life to Christ. Actually, you don't look different spiritually now. You just look one millimeter different from the guy, the sinner that came to that baptismal water. <laughs> the only difference is that the seed of God has been planted in you. That's the difference. Before, you were kind the seed of the world, which attracted the devil, which attracted negative things to you naturally, which made you love darkness. To love the deeds of darkness will have been very natural all the time. But when God puts his seed in you, it's just like a newborn babe. Do you understand my point? Then you now find that shortly after you gave your life to Christ, you liked going to church. Now, if anybody says he gave your life to Christ, doesn't like going to church, the guy is not born again. I will take a digression from there. If somebody says, I gave my life to Christ yesterday, on Sunday, and I said, let's go to church. So then I said, they sleep. Just to say, he never gave in life. He wanted to. Or he answered an altar call. You know what you mean to answer an altar call? If you're a sinner, come to the front. He came to the front. You think that changes people? Going to the front does not change anybody. Some people don't come to the front, they give their life to Christ on the seat, and they are really born again. Many go to the front because everybody's going. But nobody let me go sit down for here. So they go. They do it. People do it. They just say, maybe they go for it to redemption camp. They say, if you want to give your life to Christ, come to the front. They say, this is the only way to see here. They close by. So they walk to the front. This is the only, people go, all kinds of things. He now comes back home. He tells you to give your life to Christ. He did not. You know why? If he actually did, the first thing he want next morning is the presence of the Spirit of God. So if you invited him to church, he will want to go. He can backslide. I'm not saying people don't backslide. I'm not saying Christians don't have bad times. But that fresh moment, ah, it's like you just deliver a baby now. And you put something in the mouth, does not suck. The baby is sick. Once babies are delivered, eh? In those things, sorry, calling them things. What do you look at? They are licking mouth. Anything you put there, they will suck on it. Anything. So once you're not introduced to mother's milk, no, it tastes like chicken. It tastes like fried rice. Do you know, to them, this is the life. Oh, my God. I don't know how many of you have bothered to taste breast milk. It doesn't taste nice. You know why? You're an adult. To babies, men, um, bring the shawarma here. That's breast milk. <laughs> On this side, put chicken. It's breast milk. And do you have fresh okwa, you know, from um, that junction? It's breast milk. Everything. So you see them okwa here. You open it, breast milk. Shawarma here, breast milk. This one, meat pie. It's what, what do you call it? Fried rice with chicken, breast milk. Plantain, you know? Eba, onubu soup, everything, breast milk. They will suck until they are full to the throat. You know why? It's called the spirit. God has planted that human spirit in them. And they go after breast milk all the time. I hope you are getting my point here. And they now begin to what? Grow. So James said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? Grow thereby. What am I saying? As you interact with the word, listen to this, Christ is now what? Being formed. That's why Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, my little children, for whom I travel in birth again until Christ is formed in you. They were already believers. 
I hope you're getting my point here. So when the law used to come to interact with Adam, it was to form, let's borrow that expression, to form Christ in him. It wasn't just to say, Adam, how are you doing in the garden? I hope you are coping well. Are the angels disturbing you? There's one guy called Satan. He looks like a nice angel. In fact, the most handsome angel you will see is a devil. <laughs> that's not all he was doing. I don't know what they were talking about, but it was just not conversation. It was a transmission of the Spirit of God into a man. And now listen to this. This was the plan. Listen to this carefully. This was the plan. As he will interact with the Lord, the Spirit of God will fill him. The image of God will be perfected in him on a daily basis, more and more daily. Then he will begin to multiply. And his children will spread beyond that garden. Listen to this. And everywhere they will go, they will replicate that garden there. Do you get my point? No, that was the plan. So that after a number of generations, the whole earth will have been the Garden of Eden. This time we are not planted by God himself. Created by the presence of the Spirit of God in all the descendants of man. That was the plan. That was the plan. So God, listen to this. When people have problems, now let me begin to round up for this for today. When people have problems, <laughs> they try to solve problems. God doesn't try to solve problems. He solves people. Did you hear what I said? When they have problems, he doesn't solve problems. He solves people. Once they have solved you, your problem will go away. And there are two ways the problems go away, which I've already explained. Number one way is they can't, there are problems that you can't control. It's not dependent on you directly. Like the weather. Like the climate. That one is solved without you doing anything about it. The second way by which the problems go away, once God solves you as a person, is that he starts showing you what to do, where you are getting it wrong. He starts giving you the wisdom of God. Now, because you as a person has been solved, you cannot perceive and understand that wisdom and you know how to apply it. Between God solving the ones that are beyond your control and giving you instructions to solve the ones that are within your control, all your problems vanish. It's just a matter of time. That's why I say it and I mean it boldly. You know, I've said it before. See, am I confusing you? You are following me? Okay. There is no family on earth that doesn't have problems. Let's come to Africa. People say there's madness in this family. Have you heard that before? Now, just from my own experience, so, there is no family that does not have madness. There is none. <laughs> there is none. <laughs> there is none. Is how much two things cause whether they will manifest, they won't manifest. How much their practice manifestation is one. Do you get my point? Some people, they, they, they've been mad by habit in their family. They just wake up in the morning. The father wakes up in the morning quarreling. So the children grow up knowing that this life, you quarrel with life. So the moment you meet them, you know this guy is not normal. It's not like something's wrong with his brain. Something's wrong with what his father taught him. He's like a mafia kid. He grows up shooting people. He's not like... No, nothing personal. It's just doing business. That's how we do business. That's how we roll. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's one way. The habit, their practice. Secondly, how much pressure has the person come under? Many of the normal looking people you have seen, they've never been under pressure. They are not owing landlord school fees and the woman selling Gary at the same time. You know, if you are owing landlord, but there's no school fees problem, there's food. Landlord can wait now. You know, the worst he will do is drag you to court. That will take some months before he can eject you. So you can't sleep. <laughs> but when landlord problem, day your head. And then I said that, why is next week? Pay today. Closing date. 
It's mo- Monday evening. And then you now go and tell the boy who wants to write work and he's not shivering. You have to take him to hospital. And I say, card is 2-5. If you don't go mad, you know God is on your side. I mean, like, <laughs> do you get my point? That is when pressure, many people who you have seen perfectly normal, they've never seen pressure. They've never, they've never seen. So their madness has been well contained. In their family, there's no madness. There's no madness. They've been rich for three generations. How can there be madness? The other ones that are mad, you think if you put them under the same conditions, they will be normal. So please, before you go around telling me madness in the family, check. Has there been money in the family? If there's no money, please just know that they don't have a problem. They give money and madness will go away. All of you think I'm joking. I know what I'm telling you. So all this investigation you are doing, don't worry about it. <laughs> now, why am I saying all of these things? Every family, especially in Africa, has problems. People say, you know, the, 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 the reason you're having problems, you and your wife, is because your great-great-grandfather was a juju priest. See, if you're an African, either your great-grandfather was a juju priest or he was a juju worshiper. There's no other way. What I'm going to say is that don't let anybody impress you with this, um, you now need deliverance, because it's not true. I'm not talking about Europeans, though. I'm talking about what? Africans. That one I know very well. We all worshipped idols. We all did. Until I changed my name. My surname was a name of an idol. That's why I changed it. Some of you carry funny names around me. I don't know. God bless you. Me, I can't. As I became a a strong believer, as I was learning the scriptures, I knew this name has to go. I knew. I knew this name had to go. I just gave it a cut-off date. That the cut-off is when that I must change before I get married. And I had a number of reasons for that. But one of them was that I didn't want my wife to have to change her name twice. So I said, before I get married, I must change that name. I changed the name when I had the opportunity. Not really because I was getting married. I mean, I didn't marry for, for another three years. But that time, I had an opportunity. One of my colleagues in the office, who were quite friendly, you know, we used to talk a lot. Her husband was a lawyer. So I told her about it. So she discussed with her husband. And the man told me what to do. And he did it for me free of charge. If I never left my office... He just prepared documents, sent them to me. I signed, gave to his wife. She took it back home. And then that was why when I changed my name. The point I'm going to make is that my name was the name of an idol. It was a good name. It meant this particular god of iron has made a way. And I began to wonder, if you are blind and you cannot see, how do you make a way for somebody? That's why I threw the name away. Nothing, no disrespect, nothing. I just said, no, it has lived long enough. Some people said, did not have to deliver you. I didn't have, no, that's where I'm going. I didn't have to be delivered. I was delivered. Did you get that? Once I gave my life to Christ, once I was following the word of God, any curse that followed idol worship in that family, it didn't own, you know, it did my level. We did, you know, like, stay your lane. I stay my lane. I can't remember anybody praying about me and say, every curse in the family. There's no need. Because I'm in a family now where Jesus is the head. And there is no curse in that family. What are you breaking? What are you breaking? Now, please, get my point. I am saying every family is delivered, not by these prayers we pray. They are delivered by joining Adam in the garden and interacting with the Lord regularly. Do you catch that? You remember I said Jesus used to come to the garden and sit down, and what was he doing? He was transmitting the spirit of God into Adam. Once you become a believer, that same spirit is dropped inside you which can stand the presence of God, which is attracted to the presence of God, but you become what God really made you to be by constantly being transformed by interacting with God's presence. 
What is God doing? He's pushing his spirit inside you on a regular basis. What I'm going to say. So, let's go back to that family issue. Two generations ago, they were like this. They had problems. Poverty was a problem. Sickness. You born one picking today, you go sick. After some time, they go die. After some time, you know, all these problems. Then God picks a surviving son in that family and puts his spirit on that one. That one begins to go to church. Tells his siblings, let's go to church. And they follow him. No special deliverance meetings, but they go to church. You know, I keep on saying, don't joke with going to church. See, there are different kinds of churches. There are churches where they will teach you well. Ah, Bible study, 7 a.m., service from 9 till 12. There are some churches, they don't even know how to do that. You just come, you just sing a hymn. They one reverend somebody will stand in front and preach a very dry sermon. The sermon that he wrote down. The sermon that he didn't only write down, he copied from somebody. There's a website where they can download sermons. You just go to church. People of God, this morning, as we have gathered in the presence of the Lord, we have come to know that Jesus is Lord. And then, you know, as the guy is saying, you feel like sleeping. You know that he doesn't even know what he's saying. But he keeps on saying that on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And then right now, we that have believed have a hope of eternal salvation. And then we have found... Sorry, excuse me. Adjust his glasses. And one day he shall come again. And it has been written that he will be the judge of the living and the dead. At the end of it, he reads the sermon for like 40 minutes. Then the hymn takes off. And they sing it. Then you go and give money. Like one of my guys said, you pay money. And then, and then you will go home. And then they give you a prayer book. And in the morning, you just open it, read a few things. Now, it sounds dry. Do you know the truth? That's how families are delivered. Just keep going. Sometimes the man is still sitting halfway on the side. Don't worry. God said, this one. I know say, there's not much I can do with him. I just want him to have children. So he has five children. God grabs those ones while they are young. Then the preacher comes out of one of them, a businessman. One is a prophetess somewhere. That's another generation. These ones, they go to church more. Their own pastor does not read anything. The guy is burning with fire. I hope you're getting my point. By the third generation, there is no, listen, there will be no vestige of that idolatry in their lives. No trace. No trace. Every curse of Noah will have been broken. The sin their grandfather committed, the blood has washed it away. I know they won't even even know. All they just do is go to church. Let me tell you something. Christ is really a redeemer. I pray you get my point. He's really a redeemer. See, you know, I was telling the story last time. When we finished, our brother, that Judah, Junior Israel, he said, I know, sir, that I mixed up two stories he told me. I said, okay. The story he told is of one family in their place where their house became desolate because a slave placed a curse on them. He was offered, he was given to the shrine as a human sacrifice. And he was pained, I guess, because he has served them. And he said to them, nobody in this house will live up to my age. And you know what happened? Nobody did. They started dying one after the other. Before they hit his age, they are dead. After a while, there was nobody left to bear children. And the whole community knew. So they left their house empty. So the, the compound 
was overgrown with weeds. Everybody was dead. Oh, God, I give the Lord praise. You know why? You know who took the compound? Church. <laughs> church. Church is very powerful. <laughs> one church came one day. They said, if you can use that one, nobody owns it. What in concern church? Once they clear the ground, the, all the spirits go just they disappear. You know, church not run. Church not run. I love churches. When they came there, they say evil forest. What in concern church? They just bring bulldozers. Bulldozers bulldoze the evil and the everything. Wherever that comes, when they sprinkle something on you like this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I'm telling you, you know, let me tell you about the name of Jesus. Once you keep on mentioning it, and it's the real Jesus, don't worry, it's working. You can laugh. Oh. Say the Reverend Father doesn't have the revelation. Yes, I know. He doesn't. But say that he's holy water. <laughs> if he goes to a bush and speaks one small Latin, which has Jesus inside. Jesus the redeemer of mankind. Jesus the redeemer of mankind. Jesus the redeemer of mankind. All the spirits are packing, wearing trousers. <laughs> everybody, I'm telling you, everybody's moving. And the Reverend Father doesn't, that is, what in concern? You go wearing white. Then he comes on Sunday, says one homily, and goes to sit down. I'm telling you, yes, there will be some other additional things, but along the line, the Holy Spirit is narrowing your heart to the things that matter. At the end of that first generation, the whole family starts changing. Yeah, little by little. I told you that, that the, a friend of mine analyzed that the children of Catechists, they became industrialists. Their fathers were poor, but they stopped going to the shrine. They raised their children not going to the shrine. The children came to church. I'm sorry to say, they were not speaking in tongues, though. They didn't know the Bible the way you know it, though. But at least they did not go to the shrine. At least they knelt down and called the name of Jesus. He's a real redeemer. See, all the madness in the family, by the second generation, is gone. When people have not been blessed, not been saying there's madness in the family, how can there be madness in the family of people that have gone to church for two generations? They should leave, unless they didn't go with their whole heart. Unless it didn't go. See, how does God create heaven on earth? Is by taking somebody and beginning to infuse himself into that person. That was what Jesus used to come to do with Adam. Now, can, let me just put modern words to it now. Adam, sit down. Today we are starting from the book of Psalms. Okay? Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine the vain thing. The kings of this earth gather together. And he says, oh, nobody can gather against the Lord. You think it's talk. No, by saying that, he puts in, into Adam the spirit of the victor, the spirit of the overcomer. When he comes next time, any evil person gathers, Adam does not even know he has to fight the person. But something in him says, no, you can't gather against the Lord. Then Jesus comes around that time, and he begins to explain, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And they talk for some time. Then Adam, without trying, a spirit is, again, that same spirit of the overcomer is amplified in him. When he says this problem is insurmountable, he just says casually, every problem has a solution. It's casual. Are you getting my point? But it's spoken by a man that the spirit of God has entered into. It's casual talk. When Jesus caused the tree and the tree died from the root, it was casual talk. And as soon as he said every problem has a solution, the spirit goes out and gathers the solution. And he sits down and says, what do we do? Now he thinks he's thinking. Actually, the Holy Spirit, the word of God is saying to him, this is what you need to do. You address this on day one. Second day, do this. Call people to do this one. After one week, the problem will have gone down to this level which the rest of them can manage. He comes to work next day. He says, now this is what we are going to do. He says, ha, 
This man is wise. That's what they say. No, but what really happened was that he interacted with the spirit of God. And he puts that spirit that solves problems inside him. That's why I say I don't joke with it. Listen, raise your children to go to church. Raise them to gather where Christians gather. Raise them to gather where the name of Jesus is magnified. I know people would rather children go to business school than go to church. See, so let me say something to you here. Especially when you are raising children, they are young, your teenagers and all of that. Asu can go on strike is not the problem. They will end their strike. If they don't end their strike, government will end them. That's not the joke. This strike will end. I'm happy you said amen, but it was not a prayer. But it will end. But I'm happy you said amen. No? It will end. No, it will end. It will. There's a lot of crisis all over now. Something made me realize it. Crisis everywhere. Now, I'm talking about children now. Please, don't let Asu strike make you send children to where they won't go to the presence of God for four years. No, please don't. Because what is shaping their destiny is the infusion of the spirit that doesn't come dramatically. It's not the you know, people. <laughs> we pastors, eh? I like us. I like us. Such so a Your destiny is going to change. One lane on the fence. You're not serious. What are you going to change? <laughs> oh, come here. Today, new destiny. Take it away. <laughs> Praise God. Ever since Papa laid hands on me, I don't believe a word of those things. I'm sorry, oh, please don't be angry with me. Oh. I don't believe a word of those things. Please, I didn't say I don't believe in laying on of hands. Oh. Did I say that? I'm just saying that don't think one man will lay one hand on you after you give a special seed and your destiny will change. It will not happen. You can get healed like that, your destiny does not change like that. You can get a miracle like that, your destiny does not change like that. If you want your destiny to change and be that which God created it to be, please, is that slow infusion you need? You just come and just sit down. You don't even greet anybody. Then you hear the word read. You hear the word taught. You join in singing and praising God just for two hours. And then you go home. Middle of the week, you are back again. Next week, you are back again. You will not hear any sound, no rain, but your, your valley will be full of water. That's what I'm telling you. One day, you just wake up, your life has changed. If I not even wake up one day, you just be changing little by little. The head by itself produces, he himself does not know how. See, that is what is more important. Drag the children to church. See, sit down, hear the word of God. And we're not talking about miracle of tomorrow. Sorry, can we talk, take natural things as an example? When did Ali Kodan go to graduate? You don't know. But it's not, it's the richest African. Have you never heard the first shall be the last? The first to graduate can be the last to get a job. The most brilliant in class with the best degree from everywhere in the world can end up being the poorest amongst the group. I keep on saying, when you want to make decisions, make decisions like you are a believer. What do I mean? Show that it's important to you that your children receive the spirit, not just a certificate. I keep on saying, using this example, Ora Roberts, the foremost evangelist in America in his days, and one of the foremost. At the point in time, he was number one evangelist on television in America. He said, you can read this book, his biography. 
He said, the worst decision of my life was sending my son to Stanford. You want to know what Stanford is? Google came out of Stanford. Stanford, what they produce is things like Google. Most of the tech people in America, and they control the world, you know, they came out of Stanford. Google was a Stanford PhD project. It was the place everybody wanted to go, and he had the means. He had what was needed, and he sent his son to Stanford. And according to his testimony, that was the worst decision of my life. By the time the son came back, he was agnostic. He was an agnostic. He said they, they took time out to undermine my son's faith. They took time out to cripple everything the boy had believed. Of course, when God was pushed out of his heart, again, like we said, the place became empty. And the young man began to look for what to use to fill it. And he turned to drugs. And I said, drug addiction, horrible. Finally, one day the boy drove to one corner. It was a man that time. I think he was married, even had a child or two. I can't remember for sure. Drove to one quiet area, put out a gun, put to his head, and shot himself. <laughs> the man said, the worst mistake was I sent him to Stanford University. So this is, I see Christians trying to make decisions about children's education. They don't even consider these things. Stay at home with good enough. See, I thank God for the generation I live in. He has his problems, but he has his own advantages. Once I find like $200, $500, I will find somebody online that will be teaching you everything you want to teach, learn. You know that? There are schools everywhere, courses everywhere. Is it your certificate I want to eat? It's what you can produce. So if I will not open school, sit with me, and I register you for a course where you can learn things, and then on Saturday we'll come here, hear the word of God together. On Sunday you go to church, sit in your teens' church, and join them in breakdancing in the spirit. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> I, no, I don't have a problem with breakdancing in the spirit. Argue with your friends, you know, sing praises, worship. Once Christ is being mentioned there, I know your life is changed. Oh, she, she they are mentioning Christ. Eh, that's it. Go there. Play with your guys. That's Sunday. Tuesday, we are back again. School of prayer. We hear the word. She in our school, you know they go. This one is more important. Because sometimes, you see, we don't know what changes life for us. We don't seem to understand how God creates heaven. It's how he creates heaven I'm talking about. How does he create heaven? Remember what we began with? Heaven is his presence. So when he wants to create heaven, he said, who, in whom do I put my presence? Who can carry the spirit of God everywhere he goes? Let me end with this. See this Africa? Africa has problems, no doubt. But do you know Africa also has solution? Please, can you touch a solution if you can find one around you? Please touch another solution, please. And let the touching solution touch the solution that's touching. <laughs> touch yourself. That's what I'm ready to say. You are also a solution. You are also a solution. You are also a solution. How are you a solution? Listen, I thank God for what churches do, teach business principles. We also do business by the Spirit here, trying to get some things right. But please, the primary focus is Christ. Because no matter how much you teach how to plant and how to harvest, you can't control the rain. 
You can't control the sun. You can't control the climate. That's why I began by explaining about all this one we are doing. I said, this climate, listen to the word of God. You human beings can't control it. If you like, staying all in your homes. I say it boldly. Listen, before I say what I want to say, I am not saying human beings should not be responsible in using their environment. They should be. You should manage the resources God has given you intelligently. You shouldn't be wasteful. You shouldn't pollute your oceans anywhere. Have you, have you ever gotten to, onto the, the, the waters in Port Harcourt area? It's an eyesore. It's plastic to plastic to plastic to plastic to plastic. The, the boat will just move. You know, say, oh, God, don't worry, what are they there? This one on the surface is not right. It's not beautiful. God, God loves beauty. I hope you're getting my point. Please, just by the way, God loves beauty. Don't leave your house, you know, your beer bear will just scatter anyhow. Be like, say, they beat you for road. It's not good now. Hmm? There was one woman I knew when we were loot. Eh? If you see that woman, you will never want to be pregnant in your life. She's the ugliest pregnant woman I've seen in my, all my generations. That woman made pregnancy look like a disease. <laughs> I am telling you, she will be pregnant, will wear her husband's shirt. How do I know? By the time she rose it like seven times, now you go reach in wrist. She go roll, 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 roll. You go reach here. She go to work. I say, in leg, not if you touch ground. The shoes were flat and ugly. I remember very well. See, Pastor Sanko, I said, I'll tell you more. You know, when a woman say, hey, do. I don't go overdue. Okay, plate it well now. Because if you plate due hair, it will look nice. I lie. Why? Because she's pregnant. Are you the first to get pregnant? Even Mary didn't look like this. And she gave birth to the savior of the world. So how do you know? I just know the kind of Jesus won't tolerate. You can't be carrying me and be looking like this. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be rich, but for goodness sake, you can arrange your hair properly. Uh-uh. If she was looking like that, when she sees Mary, nobody go possess the picking waiting inside Mary Bella. Elizabeth. If any spirit come, John go block the spirit. Come on, don't come with this kind of spirit. <laughs> Hi, that woman, I remember her once in a while. That was long ago. That was, we just we pray, God, may she deliver safely. Because you just want peace. And if she delivers, maybe she'll start looking. What am I saying? When you are leaving your house, eh? please. Okay, invest in a mirror. Just go and buy a mirror. Hmm? Mirrors are not expensive. Hang it. Stand there and look. Cross-check the good part. The way the fathers walked. And walk in it. Ask yourself, okay, if you're a guy, will Pastor Bank come out looking like this? If the answer is no, please, go and, go and shape up. If you're a woman to say, does Mrs. Bank come out looking like this? If the answer is no, go back and go and shape up. Maybe you hear me preach, Abby. Since they're only preaching that they do. I they use mirror. <laughs> Before I come and preach to you, I cut my hair. Even though there's no hair there, but at least I cut it. <laughs> the Lord is good. Please, what was I trying to say when I got into that? I don't know. Because I wanted to correct somebody. I was saying something. Okay, yes. Uh, good, yes. And I remember now. That we should take over our environment. That's what I'm going to say. That one that our waters are littered with refuse is absolutely bad. God doesn't like it. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. In that is new earth. He, he won't tolerate that nonsense. He will put you in prison. I know what they call prison, hellfire. Just go and stay in hellfire. Don't come and bring Satan 
to this place. Just by the way, dirty environments attract evil spirits. I'm not joking. The reprint said the spirit of moodiness, sadness, depression will enter you if you don't dress well. I'm not the one that said it, but I believe it. Too. Spirits, spirits, they, 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 look, they will just look at you like this. So this, so this girl's hair is always scattered. Say so no, they use makeup. So now they are church. Say so this will not be church. Okay, so, okay, they say let's see, let's see. But there you go, smile. Make her smile. And then to now me, you now don't smile. Don't worry, they are going home with you. You know what? <laughs> you know what Jesus said? If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Then the father will love him. Then what will happen? I and my father will go go and make our abode. Now I'm telling you, evil spirits they also they operate those spiritual principles. They go look. This 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 person looks unhappy. Let's go to the house. They go follow. I said no. This place is good. It's good for us. It's a gloomy, sad environment. And when, when they come reach the place, they enter the bed. The bed is not made. Toilet is dirty. Bathroom wall. When you want, to, have you ever entered? But you want to base. You are careful that your body will not touch the wall. The spirits will say, oh, well, now we have a place to stay. If you clean your house very well, evil spirits say they go think twice. They will come and say, ah. One day they said that this man, what is his name? Um, no, there's a, I think it was Napoleon. No, not Napoleon, not Napoleon. One of the great warriors. The goat, the guy they called the goat, he used to charge like a goat. He goat. Eh? No, no, no. The, the, Alexander the Great, thank you. Alexander. They said one day. He was asking his men. They went to spy on their enemies. So now I said, how are they? Are the soldiers said, those ones are not serious. He said, what do you mean? He said, they are there polishing their, their shield when there's battle. Alexander said, are you serious? He said, yes. He said, in that case, everybody prepare. He said, those guys are dangerous. So what do you mean? Say, any man that can love his shield enough to polish it is a dangerous soldier. No, they understood. He said, Why do you think the Romans knew how to match? They used to match in proper formation. They had all. That's why they conquered the world. Discipline. You can't. I'm telling you. Look, go to your house and go and clean it. He has nothing to do whether you are rich or poor. Broom is the same price for everybody. Do you get my point? Everybody can afford a broom. You don't have to be in APC to have a broom. I'm telling you, clean under your bed. Clean everywhere. God likes order. I hope you're getting my point. God likes order. Arrange things properly. Eh? And some of you, you've tried, you can't. You don't have the spirit. Marry. The woman will have the spirit. And the woman that does not have that spirit, don't marry her. Send her to for deliverance service. Any woman that's scattered like a man, you, you have a demon problem. You were not made from the dust. So why should you be dusty? It's men that were made from the dust. <laughs> I mean, you have two levels of purification. God first made the first level, then took you out of already made. How about you supposed to claim pastors? I beg. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, I just wanted to emphasize the fact that I believe in taking care of the environment. I believe it's important. It's important. We should take care of our environment. But listen, you cannot control the climate. You can't. No matter what you do, you cannot change this climate. Listen, now, in your lifetime, you will see it become cool again. Initially, they will want to take credit for it. But it now becomes so cold, they will have to shut up. That's just by the way. What I'm going to emphasize here. Listen. You can know what is right to do. If God does not pour rain 
upon the seed you have planted is nothing. Many times we spend so much energy learning how to plant the right seeds. Right? The churches will gather. That's where I was going. Churches will gather around business principles. Business principles, they are okay. Mm. But they are of no consequence until the spiritual blessing in the climate from above, the one you cannot control, has been poured upon you. That is why, what am I preaching? Let Christians prioritize drinking in the spirit of God. You will not only bless yourself, you will bless the generations after you. It will come to pass, listen to me. The Bible says God planted a garden eastward in Eden. The first thing you will experience in your life is garden planted before you got there. Then your children will learn to plant gardens. Many of us believers will not plant anything. It will be planted, will be put in charge. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, God does that. God does that. I don't have time to go into that now, but he does it. He said, no, no, there's no time. There's no time. I will plant it. I will put you in charge. When Israel came into the promised land, the first things they ate were things that they met. The first houses were houses others built and they walked into. It was the next generation that had to learn to plant from the beginning. It took them a number of years to get to the point in which they would be the one to till the ground and then plant it and harvest it before they can have food. But they came into a land that was flowing with milk and honey, which giants had cultivated. When sinners are walking, eh? don't worry about it. God said it's an assignment God has given them. They will... It's an assignment. Don't envy sinners. It's laboring, laboring. God said, this is why I left the giants. They tilled the land. Cultivate it. Those grapes, don't, they were not wild grapes. People were cultivating and building the place. God said, don't worry, I will drive them away. When the Israelites arrived, they entered into cities that were walled. They didn't have to build the walls. They entered into gardens that had been planted. You see vine, two kilometers long. Olive, everywhere. The first assignment they had when they came was to be harvested. God had driven out the inhabitants thereof for their sake. What am I going to say? See, imbibe that spirit of God. But you see, the next generation, as your children are being raised up, eh, from childhood, they will learn how to build. You will live in houses you do not build. It's for the first generation. <laughs> do you get my point? Second generation, they will be abundant in wealth. They pop their finger, 10,000 men will build houses for them. And they just sign checks. That's what's going to happen to you. But what's the key? Drinking the spirit of God. That is how God creates heaven on this earth. Let's bow down heads and give a lot of thanks for this morning. Let's just say, Father, thank you. Let's give thanks. Let's say, Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. That prayer is important.